and welcome to this one-off podcast all about Queen Elizabeth II. I'm Emily Ashworth, the Features Editor of The Farmer's Guardian, and I'm here with Senior Livestock Reporter Hannah Park to have a little look back on the Queen's relationship with rural Britain. Now, of course, the world is still in a deep period of sadness, uh, and although we all knew this day would come, it almost feels a bit like a shock, but that's pretty much down to her incredible and unique unique reign, um, I think, isn't it, Hannah? Yeah, absolutely. She's she's kind of been a presence in our lives before some of us were even born. And so for farming and the countryside, she really did harbour a passion for all things rural. And I think that's why we're what we're here to discuss, really. As many as many have said already, she was like a true supporter of the countryside. Um, and I think that's I think that's really special. Yeah, and you know, she meant a lot to a lot of people, especially in our sector. But let's go back to Thursday the 8th, uh, when we first obviously heard the news um, of Her Majesty's passing. It was almost a, a, like an, an immediate effect where sorrow and sadness just rippled through not only our country, um, but across the globe. But from our sector, there were so, so many really lovely um, and heartfelt posts. I know that many said she was a true countrywoman. Uh, many have said that when they when they met her, they felt a sort of connection and almost like they knew, they knew her personally because she was that she was really that engaging and that interested in what farmers were actually doing. Um, and, I, and I think that's quite unique in itself. You don't get many people, you know, with her high status that could, that can make you feel that way, but have that knowledge behind you as well. Yeah, exactly. And just just a couple more that, that we've seen coming in. Um, Minette Batters, president of the NFU, um, said in her statements that word, words cannot describe the deep sense of sadness that I and the rest of the farming community will feel at the news of the passing of Her Majesty the Queen. Um, and I think... I think that just reflects reflects a lot of, of how everyone was was feeling in, in the farming community. She went on to express how the Queen's deep connection to the countryside has been valued enormously by farmers and had left a remarkable legacy that will continue for generations, which I think that is just absolutely key, isn't it? That that deep connection that many feel with with the Queen and the fact that uh, none, none of us will be forgetting her or her remarkable uh, achievements and presence at any at any point in the future. She was actually patron of over 600 uh, agricultural organisations. Now that that is that is really something. That's obviously you know she's she's gonna her presence is gonna be really quite missed. But I also like that you know Minette is obviously the the first female president of the NFU, um, so we can kind of connect that to the Queen as well, where she she was quite the trailblazer. Um, she was the first female president of the Yorkshire Agricultural Society uh, and she was so for over 45 years and I think that's something else isn't it she was she was definitely steadfast in in her approaches to things she she did the first of many you know one being obviously she sat on the throne although she was the longest reigning monarch wasn't she in history yeah, yeah, and that's quite something, isn't it? And it is really quite amazing when when you think about it. Um, that that period of time is 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 just is just amazing. So we've we've kind of been reflecting on stories and some kind of snippets that we've come across and and things to kind of rem- fondly remember her. So I'll just read out a couple that we've that we've come across. So um, 
as a child, which we quite quite liked here at, at the Farmers Guardian and, and one for the farming community, really. She apparently told her nanny that when she grew up, she'd like to be a farmer's wife, which is something that um, maybe a lot of, of young youngsters in farming can can relate to, um, myself included. So I think that's that's really, really nice and really relatable. She was obviously, you know, that is the word unexpected is probably not the word because obviously, you know, she was she was who she was. Um, and she understand she understood her role within that, but you know she was the way that she became queen and at such a young age that that was the key there, wasn't it? That that wasn't really meant to happen. So yeah, those those wishes and dreams of being a farmer's wife, or I think the other one was being uh, like a, a racehorse trainer. She obviously mm. we all know her great passion for horses, um, but how her life how her life changed and how she accepted it. That's one yeah. of the most inspirational things, I think. But yeah, the other story, Han, was about uh, her passion for uh, going on, on game shoots. Um, apparently, she used to accompany her father, George, on shooting parties. He said it was unseemly for a princess to do such things. But in true form, she pursued her passion uh, and established a unique breeding program with Bill Meldrum uh, from Scotland, who is. Um, a renowned, a renowned trainer, um, and the other one, obviously, she has a passion for cattle. There's quite a few posts out there um, over the last couple of days that described her as a true cattlewoman, and she was patron of the the Jersey Cattle Society. She held one of the oldest Jersey bloodlines in the country. I think crucial to all of this is that we'll all remember those kind of iconic snapshots of her donning wellies and a headscarf and a waterproof coat in the fields with the dogs or on horseback. I think that those images really capture her kind of happiest times um, rooted in the countryside and in rural life, which is something that is 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 really kind of special, really. And it's really comforting in a way to know that that, that was her her kind of happy, happy place. Or it certainly, it certainly came across that way. Um, and even though this, it's interesting kind of how this passion for the countryside has filtered down through the royal family because it started way before Elizabeth II took on the throne. So her father and his father before all have this kind of deep-rooted passion into agriculture. When you look at the history of the Royal Dairy and when it was established, it's a long-standing link that the Royals have had to farming and the farming world. Yeah, and how that's going to now move forward, that's going to move us into a new interesting era, especially when it comes to farming. Uh, now that we have seen King Charles take the throne, you know, obviously his work within the countryside, it's, it's undeniable. Um, his work probably most notably through... Um, you know the the prince's countryside fund charity has helped, you know, numerous farmers and supported uh, many farming communities to thrive. And I and I and I do I do think that that will, um, you know, his passion for this sector will will continue um, in whatever shape that that's allowed to you know kind of evolve in, into. But yeah, I agree. I think those images of her striding across the fields with her dogs in a waterproof on her horses, they're the images that really, really, really stick out. And, and for me personally, the ones where, you know, she's she's attended many agricultural shows over the years and, and her sat ringside, happy, beaming, smiling, and just, you know, genuinely interested and happy to be there is something that 
everybody who has met her and you know witnessed her at one of these agricultural shows that you know they they witness how much she really did enjoy those those aspects of um her duties so on that note let us revisit the memories we captured uh for her platinum jubilee uh, and hear once again what it felt like for those in the farming industry to meet her majesty queen elizabeth ii Um, so first up, we have Bill Cowling. Now, I spoke to Bill, who was the show director at the Great Yorkshire Show for over 10 years. The Queen visited the show four times, uh, but it was Bill who had the pleasure of spending some extra unexpected time with her, you could say. Um, so you were show director, is that right? I was show director at that time of the Great Yorkshire Show, yes. How long were you show director for, Bill? I was show director for uh, 10 years, maybe 11, 10 years anyway. 10 years. And are you from a farming background? Yes, we're, we uh, we have a we farm near Panel, just only about three miles from the showground, oh, south okay. of Harrogate, Panel, south of Harrogate. What do you farm or what did you farm? We used to, we used to have dairy cows up to about 20 years ago. And then um, the dairy cows went, and uh, my sons do the farming now, mostly. I still walk about on the farm, as it were, you know. Help might not be an appropriate word, I don't think so, perhaps. But um, um, but now we have um, have some arable and beef cattle and sheep. Okay. So quite a big change, then. Yes. Oh, it's a big change from when we had dairy cows, mm. yes, very much so. Okay, so let's talk about when um, you you met the Queen. Um, what what was the occasion? Is it just the once that you met her, or have you met her uh, multiple yes, times? Yeah, no, I've only uh, met her once, which is wonderful. Um, it was for the Great Yorkshire Show, her, the... the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh visited the Great Yorkshire Show. And what was your role in that? Were you showing them around? Were you? Yes, yeah. I, I um, had the honour to show um, Her Majesty around. My wife actually uh, looked after the Duke, but um, we, because their visits, you know, it, they split up on the showground to cover more of the showground. But I was, I showed her around most of the show, in fact. What did you... I mean, were you nervous before before you met her? Because I always think if you're going to meet the Queen, that's quite a big event, isn't it? It is quite a big event. <laughs> Just a little it's one. A huge, it's, it's a huge event. Um, yeah, a lot of planning goes into it, of course, which tends to um, allay the nerves rather because you know what is coming, as it were. You know what's planned and what should be happening. And I'd, we'd had the honour of uh, Prince Charles and Princess Anne um, before at the show, so we knew, to some extent, what a royal visit was about. So when before you meet the Queen, um, are you briefed on anything, on how you should... Um, I mean, you know, I've read a lot about how before you meet her, you, ha- you, you obviously got to call her um, a certain name and um, that sort of thing was... That that sort of information tends to come out with the meetings. Uh, We have several meetings with the Queen's 
representatives, as it were, um, private secretaries, and also with the security um, aspect of the, of the visit. So that sort of thing tends to come out at that time. It's not as, we didn't find it anyway, as prescribed as people might say, that, you know, you must do this and you must do that. It's recommended how things work, and they work perfectly well on that um, on that basis. So the all-important question, Bill, is what was she like? She was wonderful. Um, she was uh, obviously a huge um, empathy and understanding of farming and rural life, which is a great help for a visit like that because there's a sympathy there and a... Um, a a, a hope to meet people and understand and um, the royal family are professionals at what they do. They're very good at putting people at their ease and showing an interest and uh, an understanding of what people are doing, you know, the people that we meet. But I don't know, well, I don't know whether you know or not, but the visit was not quite as originally planned when, when we were planning it. it. It changed rather as the as the day approached. Oh, I don't right. know whether you knew about that or not. No, I don't. What, what happened? Well, we, we, as you do with these royal visits, you try for sometimes years to get, and particularly the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh, you know, you you apply and, and it takes a long time, generally speaking, years ahead um, for those visits to be confirmed. And anyway, ours was confirmed. It's usually in the autumn for the Great Yorkshire Show timing in Ju July. It's usually sort of the autumn or um, Christmas time of the year before when it's confirmed that a visit will take place. And this was planned that she would come in the morning, she would come to us and stay for about three hours, and then she was off to Hull to... Open a hospital or something in whole anyway that was the plan and then about oh i suppose about six weeks something like that before the actual date david davis who is still uh, an mp in east yorkshire fell out with the conservative party and he resigned his seat um then he immediately decided he would stand again for the seat he was seemed as though he was drawing attention to himself, so we say. And so it caused a by-election in his constituency, which is near Hull. And the um, protocol is that the monarch cannot visit an area where there is a by-election. Oh, it, yeah. okay. So we thought, oh, that's jiggered it. We've lost our, you know, we've lost our royal visit because mm. they're not going to... Anyhow, there was a few days and a phone call or two to between the palace and ourselves. And uh, anyway, the palace then came back. They, they had been um, talking to the principals, as they called them, the, um, the, the queen, the principal. Um, and she had said, well, can we stay a bit longer at the Great Yorkshire Show? So in, in the end, our royal visit was five hours, which is an unheard of length of royal visit. Usually they're more like one hour, you know, and it, yeah. And we, we had it for almost five hours. Oh, wow. More than you bargained Indeed. for. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It is. It was wonderful and is wonderful, yes. 
I think um, the other aspect as well, isn't it, is that she, along with um, you know other members of the royal family, they are huge advocates of the countryside, um, and that's such a benefit for us because you know as you'll know, there's a lot of negativity around farming, so it's nice to have people of such stature who really support it. Absolutely so, and you know the as I mentioned earlier. Their understanding, all the royal family, not just the Queen, but uh, Prince Charles, Princess Anne, you know, I was lucky enough in my time, I had eight royal visits in ten years. So, you wow. know, it was wonderful. And But an understanding and a, um, a willingness to listen, but to listen with knowledge, you know, they, they know what they people are saying to them and understand what people are saying to them and it was it's wonderful it's wonderful it's a huge we we regarded the visit as with all the royal visits as a huge honor for the great yorkshire show and for yorkshire but also for the agricultural community you know and it's it's terrific that the um, that the royal family are so supportive 70 years on the throne, it's, you know, it's a terrific thing to, uh, to achieve and, and, and to be part of it. I mean, in my, before I became the show director, as it were, when I was a farmer, I'm still am a farmer in a way, but I never ever thought that I would meet up with the, with the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh and Prince Charles and Princess Anne and the Chancellor of Wessex and, you know, it just, it's something that doesn't happen to ordinary people and, you know, I just feel so honoured to have been part of it. Okay, that was great to hear from Bill. Um, pretty cool, calm and collected. I don't think I would be so calm um, in that environment and I would definitely pronounce... Something wrong. <laughs> um, I think that was lovely, and I think that's so uh, so humble of him to to say what he said about obviously being a humble farmer. But I think that's something that a lot of can resonate with um, that they think, oh, it's not going to happen to them, and and I'm never going to meet the Queen. But he's uh, evidence that it does happen, and it happens to to people from from all walks of life. So yeah, really, really nice to hear from yeah. Bill. And I think as well that. You know, he expressed how much gratitude he has for the fact that she actually cares about, you know, where she is, who she's speaking to, what she's talking about. I think that counts for a lot as well. Um, but I think it's only fitting to talk about what the Queen must have witnessed over her seven decades on the throne. Of course, she started in the post-war era. Uh, spirits needed lifting and food production was a focal, you know, a focal point. Um, but to look back on that, I mean, wow, what has she gone through? Yeah, amazing. Um, she's lived through so much, um, and has such a such a long long reign, and and so much must have changed for her in in that time. Um, just looking at an overview we've got here, um, and it's amazing to look back on. Um, things like the introduction of milk quotas in the eighties, um, foot and mouth in two thousand and one, to more recently Brexit in twenty sixteen, and and now the kind of huge environmental push. Um, although this is something that Prince Charles has perhaps inherited. But it, yeah, it's it's amazing. And it's probably something that a lot of listeners and, and readers can resonate with, um, the, how the times have changed and, and what they were doing 
in those different eras and how their life has reflected reflect on how their life has changed and how they've um sort of moved moved through those eras but the queen's been kind of constant throughout definitely i was just about to say it's moved, she's moved with them and obviously it's now obviously filtered down uh right through the royal family from those on the throne before her too um so next up, we have Welsh journalist Gaynor Morgan. Hannah, you spoke to Gaynor, who is a former BBC Wales journalist, um, and she's very well known within the Welsh farming community, and obviously we know her well too. We do, yeah. So we will we'll leave you with Gaynor. It was a pleasure to speak to her. Hi, Gaynor, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. Thank you very much for joining me today. Um, pleasure to have you with us. We're interested really in, in your memory from a sort of different angle, um, which I'll let you explain. But um, it's it's probably a bit strange for you being on the other end of the of the interviewing for this, is it? <laughs> it is, yes. Um, so, again, did you just want to introduce yourself and just explain sort of what, what you do um, and just set the scene for us a little bit? Okay, well, I'm a freelance journalist and PR, and I spent about 20 years with the BBC after um, local local radio and the rest, and sort of gravitated towards being um, agricultural correspondent and um, generally a, a farming business, uh, a farming reporter because um, my background's in farming and uh, it just seemed to sort of evolve along that way, and it's. It's nice because you, you meet nice people and you make lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and your role at the BBC, how long um, were you there for? And were you involved in sort of everything from TV production to radio? What sort of thing did you do there? Well, I, I was in the BBC for about 20 years and I started in, in general news. But before that, for local radio, I'd done sort of um, farming programmes. Um, and I also worked on the, um, you never have heard of it, the farmer stock breeder. I was PA to the editor, Monty Keane, who some ancient people might remember. Um, so, <laughs> so I had a background in, um, in farming and farming journalism. But I, I joined the BBC as a general reporter and with Radio Wales and then I did stint on Wales Today and then I went on to our countryside farming programmes and um, then I started probably the most enjoyable time of my life where I was um, producing and presenting weekly radio programmes for Radio Wales about farming the countryside and daily news bulletins and also working for news. It's pretty much a topsy-turvy hectic time where mm. Jack of all trades and master of none, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) We don't believe that for a second. So um, you um, have kindly got in touch with me and and said that um, you were lucky enough to meet the Queen at at some stage in your career, um, which which was, I'm sure, a bit of a high. So um, what was the occasion then? And um, can you remember just a little bit about what happened and what she was there for? Well, it was 1983, and it was um, it was really exciting, certainly in terms of, of the Royal Welsh and the fact the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh arrived. And, of course, they arrived at Gibby Gates, and they've got their carriages, and, you know, all the, the great and the good meet them, and it's, it's all absolutely wonderful. And you can imagine it's a very expectant crowd. And I, I don't think she had visited for quite a while. I know she visited as, as Princess Elizabeth in 1947, before the show was established. 
at um, Colonel Wilson. Of course, she's the, the patron of the society. So anyway, it was long anticipated. For me personally, I wouldn't even have said it was a big gig. It was just absolutely terrifying. I'd only been in the BBC a few months and I was seconded onto Wales Today. And with my farming connections, I suppose they thought I'd be a, a good one to do the, the sort of daily news of the Queen's visit. Mm-hmm. And this was for Welsh television and it was also for national television. And in those days, television and BBC and everything was, was much more formal than it is now, so everything was fairly rigid. And I was just terrified of making a mistake. And for some bizarre reason, never mind, you've got someone talking in your ear all the time, <laughs> and things are changing all the time with every minute of the day. Um, and it was a very, very hot day, and I still don't really remember why they told me to walk backwards in front of the Queen. <laughs> I swear, I walked backwards in front of the Queen for about an hour with my clipboard <laughs> in the heat. And she did look at me once or twice. And if you're from Wales and you're in farming and you're in the media, you know everyone. So every now and again, someone say, again! (laughs) (laughs) In the midst of all the waving at the Queen and the heat and everything else. And I suppose I was trying to make notes. I think the purpose of it was that I'd be then able to script the shots Mm -hmm. and I'd remember what was happening. Anyway, the one big thing that you always remember is that you never speak to royalty, you never approach them, you interview the people that they have spoken to and all Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. So we were heading towards the Forestry Commission building, it was a new building and the Queen was going to open it. So we got there, we duly got there and it's a blur from then on except that I went up the steps into the Forestry Commission building blindingly hot day and it takes a while for your eyes to focus doesn't it Mm. once you get into the darkened room and there was the queen i couldn't believe it and there was no one else there there wasn't a soul so it was just the queen with her handbag (laughs) so i was standing there i can't breathe now thinking about it and i had the clipboard in my right hand she had her handbag in her right hand which was opposite me and she just coolly looked at me and the from what you read, the Queen is famously calm. Well, you know, she had watched me for an hour, I suppose, or at least not watched me, noticed me, and I was walking in front of her backwards. And it seemed as if it was forever, and then she imperceptibly nodded her head. And stupidly, and with her handbag and her arm, and stupidly, I nodded my head back. <laughs> and then... Just people just came and there was chaos and, you know, it's obviously, you know, why was she there on her own with me? <laughs> and um, and then the, 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 the protest continued. She opened the Forestry Commission building and um, I'm not quite sure what happened after that. <laughs> so we cut the film and put the news bulletins and programmes together and that was the end of it. <laughs> but to this day, I can't fathom why the Queen was allowed to be in the Forestry Commission building on her own and why I... Just then told to go in there. <laughs> so that's my memory. No, that's uh, that is funny, and yeah, I can certainly relate to that sort of rushing around <laughs> the show and uh, seeing somebody you know every two seconds. But you really need to get on with the job and yeah. trying to be polite, but you need to need to rush. So, 
yeah, I can I can imagine that that was a quite a challenge. But no, that sounds that sounds great. And yeah, clearly etched in your memory that um that she, <laughs> the experience of being alone with with the Queen, which is probably something that not a lot of us can can say in our lifetime. So, um, so there we go. <laughs> well, no, it's just a thing that you're not allowed to no. say anything, and and. <laughs> It was just the most bizarre thing, and and as such, it sort of rubbed out everything else about the day because yes. that's that's all I can really remember. And I suppose then it was just such a rush, really, you know, putting the words together and cutting the shots, and then we had a piece on national news in the evening and all that. And it was just you know such, but yeah, it was a great day. Mm. It was a really wonderful day. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Um, looking forward to adding that into the mix of our um, our memories, and I'm sure that um, they're all going to be very different. So it's 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 fun to hear. Okay, so yeah, we've both worked with with Gaynor, haven't we, through our time at FG? Um, so it's lovely to hear from someone on on the the same side of the fence as us, kind of someone that we can really relate to. I guess um, like um, I certainly felt that when I was speaking to Gaynor that I could. Uh, imagine myself in that position and feeling the sort of nerves and anticipation that she was obviously feeling that day. Definitely. I mean, you go to and, and cover more shows than I do, but I just don't think that you could ever prepare yourself, no matter what situation you're in as a journalist. I just don't think you could prepare yourself for being locked in a room with the Queen. <laughs> I just don't know how how you would present yourself. And I think she did very well you know, for her nerves not to take over and um, say something accidentally or unexpected. So that was great to hear from Gaynor. Next up, we've got a memory from one of farming's much-loved ladies, Kate Bevan from Wales. Um, most people probably know Kate. Would you say, Hannah, from uh, Lambing Live? Yeah, possibly. Um, a familiar face from our screens a few years ago. I'm sure many of you have seen her on that. Yep. So here she shares with us um, her memory of when she was invited to her church service uh, 10 years ago for the last Jubilee. Um, her her moment with the Queen, as she describes it, um, and also her latest um, achievement, which is uh, her MBE. So let's see what she has to say. Do you want to just tell me about... Um how did this come about then? What was the what was the situation when um, you you were able to meet the Queen? Right. So um, there's a couple of things actually. So uh, it was in 2012 for the Diamond Jubilee, and I received um, an invitation to attend a church service. Um, with the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh and a few other people as well. It wasn't just <laughs> it wasn't just me, um, but yeah, very. I'm not sure why I was invited. It was lovely. Um, I, I borrowed a hat, got a frock, <laughs> and uh, the security was pretty high. We uh, we had security. We had to go through. We had to take our passports, and then we boarded a bus, and uh, we were taken to the destination. And uh, and yeah, it was a lovely service. And the Queen was actually sat not far from me, so I was I was sat near near the front, and she was actually sat um, 
Can you imagine like the choir stall? So she's sort of looking across and we eyeballed. We had an eyeballing moment. So I didn't actually get to speak to her, but we did look at each other. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm looking at the queen. She's looking at me. And then afterwards, one of her um, entourage, this gentleman came up uh, and came up to me and said, I have to say, we think you've got the best hat in the church. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. So uh, I went back to my sister-in-law, because that's who I borrowed the hat off, and she was over the moon. Um, and we're actually, so that was um, for the Diamond Jubilee. And next Wednesday, uh, or is it, it's a week on Wednesday, the whole family were off to the palace. Uh, we've been invited to Buckingham Palace for a, a garden party, um, but I'm not quite sure if the Queen, it says the Queen will be there, but I'm not quite sure if she will, because obviously, you know, she's limited to what she's doing at the moment. Um, but that came about because I, um, I have no idea why, but I was I was awarded an MBE, which was, which was lovely, and it was just at the beginning of lockdown. Um, and because of lockdown, obviously you can't go in and, and pick it up and it was strict rules. So we had a choice. I could either, this was earlier this year, go to Windsor or the palace um, to collect the MBE, but I could only take one person or I could have a local ceremony and pick it up here and take the whole family. And if we opted to do that the whole family then get invited to the palace garden party so it was a no-brainer yeah um, we actually went to rodney parade rugby ground in in newport and uh, we had a lovely day um and and yeah now we're getting excited because the invite only came through last week um to the garden party and yeah we're all off myself and my husband and the kids and um wow. we're going to the palace yes that's so, so exciting yeah. <laughs> for another hat. I mean, when you get the royal seal of approval for a hat, I think you need to, you know, you need to keep that going, don't you? To be honest. <laughs> I think you do. The, the thing is... That's a lot of I pressure. Am, I am, yeah, and I'm a wellies girl, you know. It's either wellies, flip-flops and, and overalls. So, uh, so yeah, I've, I've been off to the charity shop again. I've got another frock now. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I'm going to see the same sister-in-law and uh, get a matching hat and see if, see if I can, you know... Fab. Top it. Yeah, fab. Can you just explain to everyone, please, um, Kate, what what the what you were awarded the MBE for? Um, it's uh, it was services to to farming, which which is amazing, really, because I I'm still not sure I deserve it. I think, to be honest, I've just been around a long time doing what I do. Um, but it was uh, yeah, it's still it's still a bit of a mystery because. I'm not quite sure. You, you don't find out about the nomination or anything because I did ask. So it was a complete bolt out of the blue. And I had a couple of suspects I sort of asked. I said, was it you? Was it you? But it wasn't. So still to this day, I have no idea where it sort of um, stemmed from. Yeah. And when the, when the initial email, because it was an email first that came through, um, and I was, I will be honest, I was, I was laughing at it. I was like, ah, Jim, look at this spam. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was going to delete it. And he said, well, look, this is number there. Why don't you ring? So I did. And it was, uh, it was real. It, it's. Oh my I goodness. Mean, can you imagine if you just, <laughs> if you deleted that? I know. But you know, the thing was, when I rang up um, and, and asked, you know, is this, is this real? Is it a spam? 
She was lovely and um, obviously not the Queen, but was on the other side of yeah. the world. So, and she said, you're not the first person to ring an ass. So, so apparently other people had, um, yeah. had done the same because you don't expect it. No. You just don't expect that sort of email through. I can imagine, but you you definitely do deserve it. So I'm sure there's a lot of people oh, who will listen you, to this but... and say the same thing. Um, so in, the, in 2012, when you say you went to um, a church service, where, where exactly was that? That was in Abervale, so South Wales, not not a million miles away from us. It's only half an hour away, um, and um, and yeah, it was just a, a celebration really for the Diamond yeah. Jubilee, um, yeah. in the presence of Her Majesty the Queen and His Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh. So I... it's quite nice, sort of ten years on. Yeah, um, we're going in the week that um, obviously she's now celebrating a platinum jubilee. So. Yeah, it's, it sort it's, of follows on a decade later. Definitely. My other question is what there's not, you know, many high profile people like the royal family who really are true advocates of farming. Yeah, yeah. They are I think it's not just farming. I think well well first of all, um we're a tiny island, aren't we? But they make this island very, very special. Um everybody knows who we are very British, but also it, it's not just farming, I think it's the country way of life um, and the traditions that go with it, and I know there are big advocates of, of family farming, because obviously we're, we're not a massive farm, and we're a traditional family farm, as, as many are, particularly here in Wales, um, and Charles, I mean, I think he was ahead of his time, really, with the environmental issues and sustainability, um, but they, they do... I know they get a knocking, but bless them, they, they really do bang the drum for us. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and the Queen especially. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, people see them and we'll go to the palace and it's a grand place, but would you really want that job? Yeah. What a responsibility. The, the, you know, the lack of privacy, everything you do, you can't go out in public without, you know, without your anybody protecting you and then you've got the paparazzi and, you know, it's... I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't like the job. I do take my hats off to them. I think they're they're pretty amazing, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I guess just finally, what does it mean to be able to, you know, in a few weeks you're going to be, you know, at this garden party with your family. Yeah. That's quite that's special, good. isn't it? Especially this year. Yeah, I think that's going to be emotional. I mean, we've um, the invites just come through. I think they're leaving them last minute because. So obviously we don't we don't know how um, the Queen is. I watched. I know she was at the horse event, and um, I believe it was you know the last couple of days, and I was watching her there, and and she she still looks amazing. Yeah. Um, as a family, yeah, and I've no regrets making that decision, um, and and to take to take the whole family down because when when are you going to get the opportunity again to walk around the gardens of Buckingham Palace with the family? Um, yeah, it's going to be, well, it's going to be like the Beverly Hillbillies in, in London. I mean, we are country bumpkins <laughs> and, you know, actually, we've got to find the place first. So I'm hoping, you know, we put the train tickets, it's sort of, okay, Palace yeah. is going to be around here somewhere, I'm sure. Um, Set off the day before, yes. <laughs> okay, that was great to hear from Kate. I think it was nice to hear how, um down to earth she was about it all and how 
you know, this is quite a big thing just for no, for normal people, isn't it, to get invited to something so prestigious and royal? Yeah, I think so. And I definitely related to the thoughts that must have been going through her head when she thought, oh, I'm going to be meeting the Queen. I need something to wear. I think that's the first thought of many ladies and probably gentlemen yeah. um, when when doing something important. So I really like that um, she, sh- she shared that with us. Um, and yeah, not forgetting, as Em's already mentioned, her MBE, um, which kind of just highlights what we've said about the Queen, um, highly regarding farming and um, a really, really brilliant achievement for Kate. So um, as she's probably heard many times, but very well done. And very well deserved. Well, that's been lovely to hear those memories. Thank you for listening to this special podcast reflecting on the love the late Queen Elizabeth II had for rural Britain. You can read more about her passion for the countryside in the latest Farmer's Guardian magazine, which is a special commemorative edition in honour of her life and reign.